if you're painting any of those like kind of gory or grisly stuff, like you can basically paint an army in a weekend. Charge the Ion Accelerator. It's time to forge the narrative. Hey, everybody! Welcome to Forge the Narrative. My name is Paul, your host. We all about all sauce podcasts. Joined by Tanya Gates. Hey, everybody! Adam Camilleri and Red Powell. Getting in, getting in first because we know the Mexican standoff that will occur. Hello, everybody. My name is Adam. He said your name first, so I, I mean, I gave it to you. You're welcome. Hence, Paul. You know, he, hey, he's hello, clearly everybody. defined. Oh, look at you <laughs> interrupting me again. <laughs> this is like the calm before the storm you can see the tensions already mounting heading towards an international competition in atlanta coming up next week you know we talked about it before as we're getting closer we're gonna have to put red on stream and i'm gonna be able to say whatever i want about him without rebuttal and he has to go back and watch me talk about him in order to figure out all the yeah things that i've said if you want to stream some narrative awesomeness in the grand narrative by all means please i welcome it it's going to be awesome what are you what are you taking world taking eaters and oh, i was uh, gonna say taking well the so so last time when we played i did take the tanith and we were the the tanith shock recon that were like fourth generation and they were a group that essentially had been diverted never really caught up because you know so as you read the tanith books and this is not a spoiler by any means but they they do tend to get some like regimental reinforcements not from the planet tanith by any means but through the other kind of other forces they pick up along the way and so last time i played a force that essentially got rerouted in the middle of everything and never made its way to gaunt's ghosts and so it was these folks that had been given the Tanith uniform and embodied a lot of the principles and were this, but they never were actually got to make it there. And then they got drug along by this inquisitor who then kind of helped them turn traitor there at the very end of the last year's grand narrative. And so I was an Imperial player that actually ended up going traitor. And one of my characters in this grand narrative now is a carryover from that. He actually, um, I'm sure there's there's all sorts of lore that is being violated to some degree, but he's uh, one of the surviving commanders, and he uh, is now piloting a Chaos Knight that is allied with this World Eater Warband. And so that is my my current force, is that that... He's like the military, one of the military ground commanders, and then he's accompanying this World Eater war band that's just, we've joined the the Pact of Annihilation, which I'm sure we'll talk a little bit more about as we go into the grand narrative. Yeah, look, all right. That's absolutely incredible and awesome. Yeah, you want to do some calling on that? You really want to do that? I do. I, I do. <laughs> I, I honestly would. Absolutely. <laughs> no, I w- no, I'd love to. We're actually going to get as much narrative coverage as we possibly can. Like a lot of our focus will be on the world championships and the competitive side of things for the, uh, for when I say it's the world championship, it's, it's country competing as country and a first of its kind event for the competition side of things. But it's also there with the grand narrative. And we're definitely going to be bringing as much grand narrative coverage as we possibly can. Last year, we did some 
uh, a bunch of like interviews with other folks that showed up in character, you know, in their costumes, in the character, talking about their stuff, uh, and then played them in between the rounds or, you know, while, while the players are getting set up and everything for deployment. And we, I don't know exactly what, what we're going to be able to work in this time, but that's the idea is to bring grand narrative and competition coverage. It's going to be amazing. And I hope you all are looking forward to it. Man, am I. So yeah. amazingly pumped. There is some things that I've heard um, or speculation of people, you know, even six months ago, nine months ago, talking about what they're going to try and put on, what they're going to try and do and build for this event. And even if half the stuff comes true, it is going to be one of the best events of all time. And you're referring to like army lists maybe we haven't seen before. Is that what you're talking thinking about? Uh, co- cosplay, costumes, production value, sets, um, you know, games, narratives, stories videos vignettes all these things just so much that i've heard was done last year and how much they wanted to build upon what happened last year and like i said yeah if half the stuff that they were talking about trying to do for this year it's just going to be mind-blowing it is happening uh i can tell you it's going to be okay. amazing just just all of it you're just like adam they did all of it oh it's all happening <laughs> Well, it's it's one of those things to where this is a destination event, and uh, I know we've you know we're gonna we're gonna talk and cover, of course, uh, you know some players that have won their way there. But this you don't have to win your way into the grand narrative. You can just come to that with a ticket purchase. And so if it's if you were not able to make it this year, you know hopefully you hear enough about it to where you want to come next year. And Red last year they did some like lead up stuff where like groups player groups started forming even before the event kicked off. Is anything like that happening this time? Oh yeah, yeah. They 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 did a great job. Um, it was really cool because uh, you know, admittedly, at the last one, the Warhammer you know GW reveal was uh, Vastor, and the also the Exalted Eight Bound or the Eight Bound got revealed last time, and so with Vastor kind of being unveiled with the Arcs of Omen. Last time they they had a discord and they put people in battle groups and the battle groups were allowed to start building up their stories and why they were working together and all sorts of stuff. And that, that was some great lead time to it. But there was also the GW team did a good job. A couple of folks, um, you know, some of the awesome team members in GW kind of led the way with some of it as far as like there was this scrap code character. Uh, who I, I may or may not know is the actual author behind that character, but that character ultimately led up into what uh, I, I won't say that they were, but it did emerge. Like that's what led into the reveal of Vashtor, which was pretty cool, and and some of the other things that played out. And they did a really good job with it. And so I'm excited they're they're doing that again this year. Um, the, the the little Discord group with the battle groups and everything has been up and running. And they've they've I really feel like they've capitalized on a lot of the strengths that they demonstrated in the last grand narrative. And they're taking it forward in this one. I'm pretty excited. Uh, last year when we did the Vashtor like reveal and then like we had Vashtor like break into the stream. It was. Oh, yeah. Yeah. yeah it was pretty was cool. Awesome. Uh, someone out there in the chat speaks binary, which was also like alarming because like we scrolled <laughs> something across the screen uh and it was instantly translated i'm like wow (laughs) say what you will about nerddoms and nerddom in general but if you get enough nerds in a room together someone's gonna have a skill like someone's (laughs) just gonna have the skill required uh it was fun real fun and i hopefully we get to uh, you bring that magic forward into this and but it really was built off the vibe 
and just the the overall can I, grooviness. Can I say grooviness? Yeah. Of the players and the narrative side, like how electric were those rooms, where all the different environments and all the different players and stuff were happening. Oh well, man, it was really good. Well, did they do one for iOS? And they did they did rooms for iOS, Kill Team, and Underworld as well, right? Uh, so the narrative it was just Kill Team and so, oh, yeah, the narrative yeah the narrative was. 40k kill team there was also um they did some of aeronautica which i thought was pretty cool because i just jumped awesome. in at the time um and so Dude, they actually that, just uh, they they'd actually just throw you out of a plane it's just there's not a room it's just <laughs> it's a skydiving <laughs> it, simulator yeah it's cool <laughs> Uh, but it all worked in. You got to play in different environments. You got to play on a Space Hulk that opened up, you know, halfway th- through the storyline. Like there yeah, because was... they, they were they were bringing on the whole boarding, boarding actions piece, right, with the Arcs of Omen and all that. And so that was the first time that they really showcased, like, this fully painted layout of the inside of a Space Hulk. And it was actually, like, it played into the campaign. Whoever was winning uh, in, in Kill Team, in these Kill Team matches, that were happening later on in the evening after the original matches had been planned. Um, it that that's how it went. It was pretty awesome. Like it, it played into it in the overall story. Uh, last year there were like some principal. What what do they call like the commanders of each of the different forces? Yeah, I mean it, that that's, they they were just that the, the the commanders of each faction. There were three factions: Imperial. Um, chaos and then it was kind of the xenos or interlopers is what they were called and so but they just so happened to be led by some xenos and uh and yeah i think they were the supreme commanders of each faction there were times when the 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 players would come together with those characters you know and it was really cool the ones the players that actually it's not a requirement to show up in character but everybody got into the spirit of it even if they were in, in cosplay or not uh you know representing their faction and interacting with the characters and you know having some cool dialogue between the different factions and that kind of stuff it was it was really neat to watch it was it, i mean it's strongly encouraged i was really excited to see some of this i mean the the pe- the supreme commanders were were people that gw had brought on uh and the the they were like official cosplayers and they did an amazing job and it was so cool. Uh, you know, last time I was fortunate enough that I had my two oldest, uh, my two older boys with me and they got to enjoy and it was cool cause we were playing and like they, they each had their own tank. And so they got to play their own tanks and everything, which is fun, but they loved the, the Supreme commanders, um, really sealed the deal as far as just how awesome the event was and their, the briefings and all, you know, as you're referencing where the players came together to do stuff, the, the briefings were pretty awesome and the back and forth on what we were struggling through. Um, you know, last time uh, chaos kind of had a rough go of it. The interlopers actually ended up winning the grand narrative last time. So I imagine it's going to be even cooler this time. And I will say it is, you know, while it's a, it's a privilege and an honor to be able to talk about it and bring the coverage to everyone, it's still like there's a bit that wants you just, you know, to, to jump out of the seat and jump into the games. Mm, absolutely. I, you and I talk about after streaming or commentating on an event, we literally spend the next couple I usually spend the next couple of hours trying to convince myself to not start a new army. I can only imagine <laughs> <laughs> the ferocity of my desire. It, but then when a, the, people are doing it in costume, like and playing yeah. with the cool models, and there's a story, you know, 
and people are competing, you know, in the next room competing for the championship of, of yeah. Warhammer. You know, it's like, get me in, you know, like it's going to be, all, yeah. it's going to be awesome. I cannot wait to, to talk about it. Well, and, and last time they had, you know, for everybody in character and everything and all that they were trying to go for, they also had this kind of like these background mechanics for the grand narrative, which is really cool. And I'm looking forward to see how they implement it this time. But last time they had objectives that you could essentially do that, you know, it may have been in direct contrast with uh, your faction's objectives. Like, you know, they, they were specific missions. You were trying to achieve certain things for your faction. But if you went against it and you just like focused on yourself, you could actually earn like fame or infamy and you could come out of it. And at the end of it, they, they rewarded people for like, you know, being notorious. And so it was, it was really awesome. They did a great job with it. It's sounding cooler and cooler. And the same thing, you walk around with the, you know, seeing these armies played. And it's not like you just don't bring one army. Like you bring a collection of models and it kind of changes what you what you play each round. Is that is that correct? Yeah. So so with Crusade, you know, you have like a battle roster, very similar to like Kill Team, where you have a, a larger group that you don't actually play with them all at once. And so for this narrative, they did a better uh, job this time around, I think, in defining it, where you they recommend you bring 3000 points as your crusade roster, you bring 3000 points and you can, as you go into fights, you can kind of choose from that, what you want to play with. That's really cool. I I like that idea a lot. I've even thought about, you know, competitive events doing something similar where you have like the, um, I mean, I, I, this is, is, yeah, this is mostly in season seventh edition. Um, but in Australia, definitely we tried sideboard mechanics where you would bring, um, two other two other 500 points so you'd write a, a 1500 point list and bring three 500 point detachments that you, that were all were all would make a legal list out of the 2000 points and you could just chop on whichever one you wanted in after seeing what your opponent's playing and then you'd secretly select them i like that kind of stuff i don't think it's like the you know the be all end all or it's going to you know fix any problems we have with the game and everything's gonna be fine but I, I like the spice it adds i think it adds another element of of intrigue and interest but also uh, a huge amount of, of mental load that maybe not a lot of people are up for. Uh, I don't know. Like one of the cool things about you know we talk about tournament formats and we're talking about. I know we're kind of jumping off into into speculation land or fantasy land right now, but uh, with tournament organizers still very much in control of their own destinies, you know, there's mm. nothing they necessarily have to conform to. And if the people in your area want to want to play with that, then you know we're big we're big Absolutely. fans of organizers being empowered to try to choose something like that. Yeah, spot on. And like I said, I played plenty of those style events, especially in sixth and and seventh edition when the game was a little bit. You know, Judah was taking a little bit less of a hand. Um, we were kind of uh, in, in the boonies, just trying to figure out what was going on <laughs> in the wasteland. And uh, yeah, people were just throwing out all sorts of different ideas. And it was really quite cool to see what worked and what didn't. And uh, and his thoughts. I mean, that was back in the days when comp was very much a you know not a yeah. dirty word. Well, let me take it one step further. It's like right now, units don't really pay for war gear. So what if you had, a, you know, your sideboard could just be subbing the unit out for whatever other options it has? Well, yeah, sub- subbing out, you know, plasma for Melter or something akin to that yeah. or, you know, it d- definitely makes sense. There's no points. I mean, I should say there's no points. The points are baked in, you know, so, you know, that's a, you might be onto something. Yeah, yeah. Mate, Narrative so- tournament. So- Let's so- go. Fixed. Let's go. Yeah. <laughs> Look, no, there's not. This again, the pure, just like talking uh, in the in theoretical stuff. Especially if we're talking about kind of subbing in stuff for the narrative, because it's like you, uh, the way it was. No, this is only this is only a comment about what it was last year. But the way it was last year is that you know you'd go into certain engagements and you'd be sometimes fighting, you know, 
with an advantage or at a disadvantage or you had to be teched for certain uh, missions or whatever and you had that flexibility to go into your your collection you know to, yeah. to do that well and they've they've uh they've even built into the schedule now they've got um, what they're calling covert operations, which I believe is probably still in many cases kill team. Um, but I could also see it translating to boarding actions, you know, like the 500 point games and using some of the boarding action rules, which I think would be cool. Uh, Cause I, I do enjoy kill team, um, but I, I don't, I haven't admittedly kept up with it as much as I probably want to. And so um, I'm just as ready to play a boarding mission. Kill team is very fun. I know we talk about it. It is know, some, somewhat uh, frequently, I guess you know, on the pace of, the, of what we do around here. Uh, but I do love it that you can still use the 40k models. Uh, you can play a game in 30, 40 minutes. Uh, you know, and then still, you know, again, but you, very much feels like whatever faction is you're trying to play. Oh yeah, they did a great job with that. Speaking of faction and stuff, anybody working on anything hobby-wise? I am doing my best to churn through the the last of my Space Marine pile of shame, so that uh. You know, hopefully, be done by a potential old world release, and uh, I, I I might just be done with you know new 40k armies. I might just be like, I'll sit on my 10,000 points of guard and probably 11,000 points of space marines and just play that stuff until I need to add a squad here and there or a character here and there. And it might just be choo choo old world. Here we come, baby. <laughs> my boys, uh, you know, I got the Leviathan box set a little bit ago. Um, just so happened, I'm going to spend this Veterans Day weekend. We're going to lean forward on getting some of the, the the tyranid and the space marines that they've had for that we've, we've been trying out a couple paint schemes actually today so we're looking forward to uh, getting I, i'm kind of excited I, I haven't painted tyranids in a long long time and contrast just does uh such a, such a good job in my opinion um with some of those like flesh tones and and chitin armor and everything like that so i'm pretty excited nice and i uh just basically was stress painting for a few weeks getting everything ready for my first team's tournament and then to immediately go to play on tabletop to shoot a couple battle reports there so i'm taking a little bit of a break and then i'm going to shift over and paint the um Astra Militarum Combat Patrol. There's a Combat Patrol event coming up in a in a couple weeks, so I'm really excited about that. Oh, excellent! Wow. And that cool. box is that box is fantastic. It's only yeah. got the new kit. It's only got the new kits in it, doesn't it? It does. Yeah, it's it's really gorgeous, and uh, I'm actually most excited to paint the command squad, um, just because everything is so co- like characterful in there. I think mm. it's going to be really fun. But uh, what's the game you got? Like full on combat patrol too, like using the combat patrol rules. Yeah. Nice. Okay. Yeah, I, I haven't played combat patrol yet, so uh, I'll probably end up doing my first games like <laughs> at the event. But uh, yeah, I just I just couldn't swing any any time to study uh, up until now. So uh, we'll see how it goes. And um, as for scheme, it's all going to be painted exactly like my existing guard. So it'll be. Uh, gray fatigues and green uh, body armor and uh, little hits of red. Yeah, that'll be what it is. Beautiful. Yeah. And, and the beauty, it plays like 40k. I mean, there's no. The only thing it different is the, is the types of rules the models do. It's slightly different, but you know, but it's just on the data slate. So it's it's yeah. designed. Combat Patrol is designed to where any player can go grab a combat patrol off the shelf, build it, paint it, and then play it against any other combat patrol on the shelf, and it's 
fairly equally balanced. Yeah, and this event, it's like a friendly event. It's designed to get new players kind of going with the hobby. So uh, it may be that I'm one of the more experienced players in this particular event. Might have to like uh, help some of the newer players with rules and whatnot. But uh, I'm I'm just really excited to have an excuse to go back to my guard for a little bit. Oh, you'll that's awesome. Yeah, you will not be disappointed. That's uh, it, Why let us know how it plays because I mean I played a couple of combat patrols. I played the Tau, which played pretty cool. Uh, and this is in demo, and I played the the corn uh, demons. Mm-hmm. It seemed to actually be pretty well balanced against each other. Yeah, like I I'm really interested to see how it goes because I was looking at the the stratagems that you can use. For the guard, and I'm like, ooh, that is really powerful. So I'm really interested to see how this is going to transfer over into, like, like how it's going to go up against the other boxes. It's It seems really interesting, so I'm re- really, very excited. Uh, I'm working on incursors, which I, I may mention last week, but I got to a, a pretty challenging part on the incursor, and that is their faces. There's a lot going on on their faces. They've got rebreathers, they got, like, like sockets for you know gas mask type stuff they've got uh lights wires service studs it took me a while but i thought but it, you know using the method of just kind of keep putting the paint where you know it's supposed to go block it in almost like painting by numbers you get there and it looks better and then you know a little little uh thin down non oil does not hurt either yeah <laughs> <laughs> Uh, I am a big fan of of many different colors of washes for skin. So um, sometimes I'll use Reichlin Flesh Shade and sometimes I'll use uh, Athonian Camo Shade uh, in order to give sk- like the skin tone a more sort of lifelike appearance, I guess. Mm-hmm. Um, so I like to play with washes to make faces and stuff look a lot better and and, uh, if you're up for experimenting like don't be afraid of some of the weird colors i've even used um like purple wash before to make the skin tone just look right i've seen that done before mostly on like space marines and i think i've tried it once and i find myself i never really really thin it down to not you know be too crazy with it yeah you can also mix the shades too so you could like take uh reichland flesh shade and you could add a little bit of green to it um you say yeah athonian camo shade yeah green athonian camo shade is one of the like the it's like the holy trinity it's up there with dull null and agrexar shade yeah (laughs) i i use it for so many different things it's i like to shade um like rocks and stuff with it too makes them look all sort of mossy and it's a green brown i mean it's yeah. awesome yeah it, it's super versatile that like there's a bunch of colored washes that i use that when i tell people about them they're like oh really like i don't think i could be without cassandora yellow i just use that so often and most people don't even realize that it exists still um but it's also one of those ones that's surprisingly versatile what would you use it for? Um, so I like to use it, obviously, whenever I paint yellows and oranges. Um, even if it's not the shade that I'm going to use in the recesses, I find if I paint a layer and then I put the Cassandra yellow on top and then I paint another layer on top, it just like bumps up um, the pigment and makes it just really bright. Because if people don't know, I, I really love bright colors. 
on my models. Um, but I also use it almost exclusively for like headlamps and lights and things like that. I've, I've given a, uh, f- a finishing moves on that. And yeah, I don't know. I just use it for all sorts of weird things. And I, I'm in the mode to experiment with it some more. So if I find something really interesting that, uh, that it can do, I'll, I'll, u- I'll do a finishing moves on it. One of the videos for the masterclass on the Warhammer Plus subscription, where they they talk about they did Blood Angel armor, and I watched it more as a curiosity. Not, I mean, I knew that was not going to go and like repaint my entire army, you, whatever. You watched it with zero intent to change anything. <laughs> You're exactly right. I mean, I, full disclosure, <laughs> because look, when you have a full army, it's like you just know. Yep. And also, the the shade of red being consistent to me matters. And I have, you know, gotten to a point where I like the shade of red that I can achieve. And it's probably never going to get any better than that and not make me want to change my entire army. So. <laughs> <laughs> but one of the things that they did was paint with, uh, they, you know, basically painted it like normal and then like went in the same thing you were talking about. I think with a with a red contrast paint to really just kind of pop up the pigment of the red color even more, like to give it even more of that like true red, deep red color. After it was already painted, like it would, it was good enough, more than good enough. It was beautiful. And then they were like, we're going to make it look even more beautiful. Like, wow, you did it. It actually worked. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's interesting because I've heard of a lot of people using contrast and then painting the highlights on top of it. Mm-hmm. But that's really interesting that they almost did it the opposite way, you know, like uh, p- paint their sort of base coat and layers and then put the contrast on top. Um, that's really that's really cool because I think that you'd be able to see all the highlights and things underneath. Like you'd still be able to see all that work you did underneath. That is what happened. I mean, yeah, at least I, I'm probably, you know, don't, don't don't trust me on the technique. Like, if you're curious about that, watch the video. They'll show you how I did it. But to me, it was pretty magical. Did they, like, thin it with uh, medium or anything? Or did they just, like, go straight out of the bottle? Oh, don't ask me the hard questions. I watched it. Well, I just I was did. not going to try it. <laughs> <laughs> so you're not there taking notes. All right. Yeah. <laughs> Not to say that I have not done other masterclass and stuff tips. And I think that you can, like one of the things with tutorials, and we talk about this a lot in in previous episodes, is that you don't have to follow the tutorial the exact way all the way through. You can find things that work for you that you can do and work into your arsenal kind of thing and, you know, watch mini tours. So I've certainly done that. I just, for this particular color red, you know, I was... If I was starting it brand new, I probably would have tried. I just knew that I would, you know, I was more watching it to like, what if I painted a different army and, you know, it it was going to be red. Yeah, you know, that's kind of like hitting home for me because now I'm going to be going back to my Imperial Guard after, you know, painting a lot uh, in between. And, you know, am I going to go back and am I going to want to repaint everything? Am I going to want to just try my best to keep the scheme exactly as it was before? Am I even going to be able to do it the same way that I did it before? I just, I, I have all these sort of questions on my brain and I'm not sure the answers. And I don't think that I'll have the answers until I get sort of elbows deep into this combat patrol. So... Uh, I'll have to give you guys an update on that once I 
have a few more models under my belt. It, it is nice having some models. You know, if you're re- re- revisiting a color scheme or a faction to look at and reference, you know, like how did I do that? Or, or some reassurances when I get to this step, you know, whatever that step may be, this model is going to look great. I just got to mm-hmm. fight, fight through the phase here. Yeah. Oh, I'm sure it'll look great. It's just, will it make all those models that I did earlier look like doo-doo? That's the question. <laughs> I'm sure it will not. But it is like, that's the struggles. That's the, the struggle. Part of this, like, hobby and large army struggle is real. Mm-hmm. Like, y'all, y'all, I mean, like, Adam and Red, y'all have large armies. We're just talking about 10,000 points of Dark Angels. Like, or do you, does your first mm-hmm. Dark Angel look like your last? Um, Like, so I painted the guard first. And 100%, the <laughs> the later ones look worse than the start ones. <laughs> By the end of it, I was building my Cadians <laughs> in halves and just Xandri dusting the pants, painting the boots, and just slapping the and then then uh, then uh, spray then uh, airbrushing the tops entirely with um Cadian uh, green, oh. and then just stick them on, paint the hands and paint the gun black off, off to the races i was just slapping them to get it done because i think filthy, i was already filthy meditation dude i was 300 guardsmen deep layoff let's let's <laughs> some perspective like i the, the sanity was waning i was like i need to get this done um all, all of my space marines look exactly the same they i i picked a very simple i knew the collection was going to be huge um, when I've done 2000 point armies in the past, like it's just a 2000 point army and I know I'm going to play it until I, I, you know, I play it until I sell it or I don't play it, you know, enough. But when I have a collection that I'm intending to keep together, um, I like to start it as an intending to have a simple enough scheme that it won't kill me to, to do it a hundred times, you know? Um, so my, 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 my Marines are very, are actually quite basic when you break down the components, but I've tried to just get the execution really spot on. I'm not throwing any shade either. It's like my catechins have a, a similar journey of, well, it's not so much as like the first ones are better than the last ones. It is just like you can tell there are periods when when I just really needed 10 more of a certain type, you know, we're like nine yep. before tournament type situation and then didn't necessarily revisit them. And you can definitely tell there's a difference in the basing, like especially some of my older models to where I, I just use maybe some, maybe not enough PVA glue to hold on some of the, the basing stuff. And it's just gone. It's never to be seen again. Uh, can, I do not miss the days of having to actually glue like sand and things to bases. <laughs> I don't miss that. Like all these texture paints and and uh, technical paints, I love that. I really think that my hobby is much more enjoyable now that I don't have to mess around with glue as much. So the products you, are G- better. It matters. Yeah, yeah. Like I, there's people in my local group who don't do bases. They paint beautiful models and then they do nothing with the bases. And I'm just like, but you could just literally slap a technical paint on there. It's just like painting, and it would look so good. But maybe they just don't know the beauty of technical paint yet. <laughs> Let's take a quick break. We'll come back and talk about it. We'll round out the show, and it'll be a, kind of a short one this week. But round out the show, we're talking about some of our favorite technical paints. And even maybe non-technical paints we use technically. See you in a minute. FTN is brought to you by Discount Games Inc. Please visit them at www.discountgamesinc.com. And don't forget to ask Jay about ways to save even more on your hobby projects. 
everybody. We are back. Thank you very much for checking out our sponsor. Uh, during this quarter, we'll have a vendor spotlight segment with Jay from Discount Games. We've got some cool stuff he wants to talk about uh, with the, the stuff. And if you're looking to pick up some hobby stuff during the holidays, that's the place we definitely should suggest you do it uh, because it's amazing. It's always been a, a pleasure to deal with Jay. And I uh, thank y'all that have gone to check out his store and asked him about those uh, extra ways to save and stuff. Uh, so the technical paints and the non-technical paints is or that can be used as technical. And I, you know, I mentioned the Thonian camo shade as just like a miracle wash. You know, I, I, when I was painting death guard, sorry, not death guard, I guess, yeah, death guard too, but discount, but less, but, um, Nurgle demons and the flesh eater quartz, a Thonian camo shade over some gray. And then when I needed it to be that dried blood uh, stuff, the, uh, caribou crimson, Mm -hmm just work like a charm. I know we said that before, but this is like, if you're trying to get something done quick, you know, you're trying to squeeze in some, some cool effects. Uh, you know, we're talking about washes and, and getting matching old color schemes, one right down your recipes. That's why I know this, you know, for a fact, if speaking from experience of forgetting and having to try to piece together the pictures and stuff, but Athonian camo shade and caribou crimson, if you're painting any of those like kind of gory or grisly stuff, like you can basically paint an army in a weekend. Yeah, and I think it's kind of interesting, too, because the technical paints are made with one sort of use in mind, right? So when we think about the texture paints, the texture technicals, we think about basing. However, um, I know somebody who um, actually uses some of the basing paints to create, like, rusty kind of pitted textures on armor. So like uh, the type sure. of corrosion, I mean, not to be, put too fine a point on it, but like just stuff like that to get the texture. Well, like the technical, like um, Armageddon dunes. Oh, wow. Okay. Right. So like, if you think about a rusted out old car, the texture of the rust is very irregular. It's bumpy and all of that. So you can use, uh, also you can do like chipped paint with like the, the different technical paints that create that kind of broken earth kind of look. Um, so yeah, so he uses that, paints it on in the places where he thinks that it's going to be rusty, lets it dry, and then he'll go in and either paint it or dry brush it or wash it in rusty kind of warm brown colors and oranges and it looks quite believable (laughs) especially on larger models like tanks and things um uh, when he told me that's how he did i didn't believe him honestly because it looked so lifelike um so you can really think out of the box with these paints and they have tons of different uses uh, that sounds pretty cool. Like, I mean, I would never suspected of, uh, not in a million years would I have thought of using like Armageddon Dunes or something like that to achieve that effect. Me neither. And obviously, like, obviously I never thought about it because I was in disbelief when he told me that that's how he actually achieved that look. And I mean, that paint, if you apply it thin enough, it really doesn't take that long to dry as well. So yeah, I just... So when I paint, I don't really paint stuff to look kind of weather beaten or or battle worn or anything. But if I did, I think that's the technique that I would try just because I think it would be pretty fast and pretty easy to get the look that I wanted. Oh, that sounds pretty cool. Mm-hmm. Like, I'd be curious as to as to how, like, what thickness 
you know, like, do you thin it at all kind of thing? Like, what what is the, what's the right ratio to get the, the look you're, you're going for? I would imagine that you wouldn't want to thin it. You'd probably want it full strength, but you'd probably want to achieve it in a very thin coat. Yeah. That's how I think that it would work. Yeah. That's worth, that's worth experimenting on, especially some of the, because I, I play, I have two armies that I, are kind of weathered up. And that's, um, well, my Chaos Knights and my Admech are just really, really weathered. Like, I just mm-hmm. lean into it uh, and go nuts, like with different layers. And, you know, no, there's nothing, there's, ne- there's never too much weathering as one of the ways you can kind of look at it. Yeah. So, yeah, I think that it's a really interesting take. And I've also seen people use Blood for the Blood God as not blood and gore. Sure. Like, like the most interesting... Like, yeah, for what, what's, a, what's an application for that? Yeah. So the most interesting way that I've seen it done is, um, like, red lights. Like, you know, brake lights are red or whatever. Or lenses. I've seen people paint the lens... Um, silver. So I guess that would probably be a shiny silver, like lead belcher or something like that. And then once it's dry, just painting like a thin layer of blood for the blood God Mm. over top. And um, because it'll kind of settle in the recesses a little bit more than it will on the top of the lens and kind of giving it depth naturally. And then if you do it after you, um, if you do it after you've already clear coated your model, then it will also remain shiny. All right, this is this is like mind blowing. It is really blowing my mind. Like, I what can I what can I try this on? <laughs> your your mind is just like going through all of your pile of shame or or you know trying to find projects to try it out on. Yeah, just thinking about what can I what can I work that into the one that as we mentioned in the last segment doesn't involve me having to go change an entire. <laughs> yeah so like i've seen people get really creative with technical paints and i'm just like i'm always blown away by when people come out with these like really innovative ways to use products that were really designed for one thing i just find that incredible uh yep yeah, man maybe um uh, we do a little research over the next couple of weeks and come back with some some ideas if we've uh, tried to put in this into, into action, you know, beyond thinking just beyond just the basing. And I know we're talking about like how to re- redo basing. That's why actually I done my from Astro Militarum. I've actually gone and redone their basing. That was one of the inspirations. Was you know one wanted to look more jungle like so I could eventually have a cooler display board, more modern type display board if I ever did it that way. But also, you know, looking back in my like my past, I don't say laziness is a bad word, but just you know maybe not as skilled or whatever. I mean, this is army I've been playing since like the mid towards the end of third so some the figures have definitely come along some evolutions along the way and so with the products and you know thought it was no time like the present to kind of modernize uh that section of it so we're using not just the technical paints uh but now also using technical paints for things be even beyond the basing is uh, it's pretty well anyway it's worth a shot yeah and honestly these techniques are super easy and and well from what i've seen they give a very good result so anything that can make your life, you know, your hobby life easier or make a project go faster, I, I'm all for it. Or maybe stuff you just got on your, your like paint rack that you don't use very often, but you get more use out of it before it draws up or whatever. Yeah, because I mean, sometimes with those technicals, like Blood for the Blood God, for me, is not something I don't, I could probably count on one hand the amount of times that I've used it as an actual sort of gore 
or like blood spatter type application. I I mostly use it for lenses and and things like that. So, and yeah, one little pot goes such a long way, but it's always nice to find other ways to uh to get use out of the product. There we go. That's our show this week. Uh it's a little bit of a short one, but we're kind of gearing up, getting ready for our like convergence on Atlanta. It's not I don't have to go very far, by the way. It's where, it's where <laughs> I live. <laughs> well, technically, I live north of the city, but you know, close enough. Uh, Going to be down there as as the world uh, comes to hang out and play Warhammer for the Grand Narrative and the World Championships. Uh, tune in. There's going to be a preview that weekend, so who knows what's going to be revealed? Uh, Going to be lots of coverage, talking about the the games, uh, the narrative, the story, everything else. Uh, tune in so that I don't think we'll get a show out that week, which is next week. But uh, please tune in to the Games Workshop Twitch. Uh, check us out, see see what's going on, and then we'll be back after that. It's been a pleasure, y'all. We'll see y'all next week. See ya. Bye, everybody. Tenets demand you tune in next week for the greater good, of course.